The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Sneakers and Cleats, the podcast. My favorite part is seeing uh, Chuck jam out to this every time the open comes on. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. This is Monday, November 20th. This is episode 52. That's Chuck, Don, me, Hi. back as usual. Um, number 52 is pretty easy there, guys. I, at least in my opinion, Ray Lewis comes to mind. Um, Ray Lewis does. Top, top three linebacker all time? Sure, yeah. I think, yeah you can sure. Make an, I think you can make an argument. Sure, yeah. Who else? Who else is up there? You know, Dick Buckkiss. We, who we talked about with number 51. Lawrence, uh, uh, Lawrence Taylor. LT. LT. And, uh, and probably... Uh, it finally, it finally happened. Someone's phone went off. My bad. <laughs> my bad. It's my son. I'm not getting it. <laughs> Which one? Landry? It was Grant. Oh, okay. Well, uh, 52 is pretty... Like I said, pretty easy. Ray Lewis. Iron Mike Webster is pretty good. Uh, who came? Who I think a lot of people discovered... Sadly, because of the movie concussion, uh, I don't think anybody knew I didn't. really yeah, about no, Iron Mike Webster. That, those Steeler teams were on TV every week, and so you pretty much knew that whole lineup because they were so good. Yeah, they right. ruined two of my Sundays on Super Bowl ten and 13. <laughs> anybody else for 52, guys? Jamal Silk Wilkes, better known as Keith, coming out of UCLA. Won champ- the first championship with Magic and Kareem uh, in the early 80s with the Lakers. Saw him. Uh, at the Vegas Summer League this year, and actually got to speak with him for a few minutes. And, How was that? Uh, very, very nice guy. I told him, I said, I said, hey, man, I just want to tell you, I saw the, the Bill Walton documentary. Have you guys seen that, by the way, the three-part Bill Walton? Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. He played with Bill Walton. He was on those championship teams of Bill Walton at UCLA, and then he went on to the Lakers. But uh, sweet man, very, very good guy. Jamal Wilkes, 52, not a, not a very common basketball number. Nope. Great rebounding uh, champion, Buck Williams. From the Blazers, you remember him? He was 52. But, yeah, it's not a common number. Nope. Chuck, anybody else? Nope. All right, deal. I'm good. Uh, got a lot on the on the hopper today. We're going to try and get in, in and out of here about 35 minutes. So, uh, we got Spurs, Cowboys, C.J. Stroud, and the Texans, and then UTSA Senior Day, which just happened, plus probably the most important game in UTSA football history coming up this week. So, we're going to talk about all that. And more. First off, though, let's get to the Spurs. Um, Don, I said this to you right before we started recording, and I'll say it to you again. They suck. Um, and it's uh, I think they suck worse than we planned on them sucking because I think all of us thought they were going to be okay, but they are not. They're just not okay. I, uh, You know, you look at the numbers and you look at what Wimby's doing, and I, I'll still make the argument that he's rookie of the year. He's probably going to make an all-star team. He's putting up basically 20 and 10, a little less than eight or something. Uh, he's good as advertised on a team 
that's trying to find themselves that, like Pop said, we're just going to observe, right? And I go back and I read a couple of things that Pop said in the preseason, which was, we want to win. This year, winning is important. So that is a priority. It's not like they're tanking. But they're also in observation mode because they don't want to make Wimby what he's not. So they're just watching for the first 20 games or so. Well, now we're at game 14. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I get this feeling watching them sometimes that the kindergarten or preschool teacher left the room. And the kids are left to their own devices. <laughs> and when they have these incredible stretches where they, the other teams go on twenty-four to five runs, or twenty to nothing runs, or eighteen to nothing runs, offensively, there's there's nothing that can be that you can explain what it is other than no one's the point guard, everyone's out of control. Everyone is guilty, including Doug McDermott and people, of taking horrible shots. And then defensively in those same stretches, just go dunk on us and we will show no resistance. So that's what's maddening, I'm sure, to fans. Pop has lots more patience than we do. And, and I'm sure there's some method to this madness that at some point, maybe it's to prove to the kids that, look, you want to play outside? You don't work outside. Wimby's efficiency numbers are awful well, outside he, of 15 feet. But Pop also are, has already called out his team once, and it was last week, saying you got to get tired of getting your asses kicked. And apparently they're not because they came out two days later and they were taking it to, what was it, Memphis on Saturday? And then second half gave up another huge lead. And then Friday night they played – help me out here. They played at home on Friday night too, came out, played well in the first half, got their asses kicked in the second half. It was, it was Sacramento. They were t- – came out i think it was a 19 point well, lead or something like that the in the Kings first are half a good team and yeah, Memphis but, is not a good but team but still you're you have like a 12 14 point lead in the first half you tied up at halftime then Memphis comes out and just or excuse me Sacramento comes out runs them uh in the third quarter they finally rally back in the end of the third quarter tie i think it was a one point game at the end of the third and then they get their doors blown off in the fourth it's just like it, I, it consistently keeps happening when i watch them the thing that goes in my head every possession as i'm watching it i'm saying to myself value the ball and they don't they no. don't value the ball i don't they just throw it away chuck what, what about you well it's kind of a difficult one to answer in one podcast right because <laughs> the game that really irked me was the okc game there were many times in that game where you know if you're going to lose because you're missing shots or you get out-rebounded, but the effort's there when they're a young team, you want to give them grace, right? Why would you be attacking a team that's playing hard and at least trying to do the best that they can while they're on the floor? But there were many examples in that Oklahoma City game where, you know, if you let a point guard get the ball, inbounds the ball, and I'm talking about OKC's guy, the Australian kid, Giddy. and he meets no resistance whatsoever towards the basket doesn't that piss you off a little bit i mean and that's just one example of guys as you said one guy goes to the basket unimpeded nobody stops him nobody tries to stop him i'm old enough to remember where that kind of stuff didn't fly even five years ago like you can't let a guy just go get a layup and you got to make sure that you foul him so that he doesn't get the and one opportunity but you at least make him earn it from the free throw line we're not seeing any of that you're right about Wemby being – his numbers are awful away from the basket. I think he's shooting over 90% around the rim. He's very skilled with both hands around the rim. There's no question about that. 
I like the way he rebounds. I like the way he blocks shots. But he doesn't run the court great, and you can't play fast with him on the court, or at least they can't right now. They're not showing anybody that they can do that. So, you know, are they as bad as their record says they are? Probably not. But are they as talent wise? Are they as good or are they better than what they were last year 13 games in i don't know see and that's the thing is like you'd look at their talent and you go okay they're not a three and ten team talent wise but they don't know how to play they're just now 14 games in figuring out how to throw wimby the ball close to the rim trey jones kind of showed him how actually it was Devonte graham who'd been rotting on the bench because of some injuries to Trey Jones and to Devin, he got forced into action one time. And it's almost as if Trey Graham had been watching the season going, I can't wait to get my chance to show you guys how easy this could be. Throw it up there, 12 feet in the air towards the rim, and this guy can go get it. And he did it two or three times. Zach Collins, the best passers as far as a feel for the game are Wimby, Zach Collins. I mean, I know they want Sohan to be the point guard, and he does have passing ability, but he doesn't have a point guard's mindset. He's not looking for guys, looking this way and seeing the cutter and looking that way. There are so many times when Wimby is flashing to the rim with a hand up that Keldon misses him, Devin misses him, Sohan misses him because they're thinking score first. They need Trey in the lineup. They They need some structure, and I think it will come. I think... We're, like I said, a lot less less patient than Pop. I think Pop is, in some ways, allowing them to hang themselves first so that he can then go show them. Look, it's going to be a difficult conversation for Wemby when Pop has to sit him down and say, I know you want to shoot the ball from 30 feet. We need you in there, in the paint. Because Wemby's always like, I'm a guard, I'm this. And I think, you know, they're number one draft pick. You want to make sure he resigns and all that. I play this way. This is how I play. Pop learned his lesson with Manu. Let him play the way he plays. Well, let me tell you something. Wemby's not going to make it as a spot-up three-point shooter from 30 feet. Well, you also, if you're going to allow, allow him to play the way he plays, you have to structure a team around the way he plays, and that's not how the team's structured. The team is structured differently right now. It- Agree. I mean, because if you're going to have Jeremy Sohan as your point guard, and that's, quote-unquote, the experiment, it's then a failed experiment, you, would, yeah. you would hope that he's on the floor – to play defense to stop the other team from getting into a rhythm because of his length and his athleticism and all that. They're not getting anything out of that right now. And I don't want to put it all on him because it's a concerted effort for what's going on right now. The leads that they've blown and just the times that they look discombobulated. You know, I watched most of the game the other night against Memphis. I was out of cover three and I left after the third quarter and I was like, okay, well, Memphis is looking a little good here at the end of the third, but Never once did I even consider that they would be able to blow that lead again and then look at the box score when I got home. It's like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Teams turn up their well, physicality and their defensive intensity, and a good point guard never loses the ball. Stri- stripped, you know, like bringing the ball up and, and a guard who's pressuring him can take it from him. You're also just not going to win a lot of games when you allow 100 and 24.2 no. points a game. You're, right. thir- you're, that, you're and- last in the league in terms of defense. Uh, and you're second you're, in terms of, of assists, and you're 25th in terms of offensive rebounds. And when you're a top 10 team in turnovers. Yeah, and so, if, you, if you do the whole bewitch and, thing and you blink and you think Chris Paul on this team as your starting point guard, it fixes a lot of things in a very short term. 
Yeah. But it doesn't help you with your cap. It doesn't help you in the long term. It doesn't extend your window to win with Wimby. So it's not the answer, but you just would hope that at some point there is someone who can be the adult in the room and run the show. Because right now that's the problem. No one's running the show. Yeah, and it seems like right now a lot things are going to get worse before they get better, and things have gotten considerably worse than they were like the games in phoenix seem like a lifetime ago the two games that they won in phoenix one where they came back and one where phoenix came back that was nine games ago it seems like last year like it's just ridiculous that was when nobody was knew what to do knew how to scout them now people are looking at game film yep and i still go back to the end of that phoenix game too where it looked like durant you know i don't know what he was doing those last two possessions That's just fair. looked looked odd let's just say that uh, real quickly, the um, Lord Voldemort of Spurs Nation is coming back t- tonight. Uh, I think it's tonight and Wednesday, right? Um, the Clippers are in town. Mm. And uh, what do you think? What do you think that reception is going to be like? The the old one for uh, Spurs Nation and I the new one with Wemby with Kawhi. Oh, being I, here. I don't think Spurs fans give Kawhi a second thought now. He's been back a few. Many times as the opponent now. It doesn't change the he dynamic gets, at all that when he's here now. Booed. No, I mean, there'll be more people there. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to the Cowboys real quick. So, Cowboys, they win 33 to 10 over the Panthers. Got a little hairy there in the third quarter. Um, I believe it was 17 to 10 at one point. But I don't know. Uh, my overarching thought was like, I don't feel like I've learned anything about the Cowboys in the last three weeks. They just keep destroying people because they should destroy them well there's something to be said about handling your business though too right yeah and i think the mantra this week was go win on the road right we've been great at home can we do it consistently on the road their last road win was against the chargers they haven't been awful on the road but you sure make life easier on yourself when you're building your resume if you can win some games on the road so they dominated defensively i mean they had seven sacks in that game yesterday they took care of business there and it was a very, very good win knowing what the rest of the week is going to look like because we're now getting to the point in the season where you can talk about the amount of instances that Dak has been able to sit out games because they've had such big leads that I think that's going to pay dividends at the end of the season where they've yeah. been able to rest guys in the middle of the season, in the middle of a ball game. That doesn't happen very often in this league where most of the games are decided by seven points or fewer. Yeah, and a quick turnaround like that. They got Pollard some rest, too. And my takeaway from the day was um, Jerry doesn't know what century it is, and Deron Bland is really good. And and I didn't think – I thought of Deron Bland as a capable backup. And in reality, he – might be as good as Diggs. I was going to ask you as a question: Is he better than Diggs? Right. That's yeah. Valid. I mean, I, it might be apt only because it's it's one of those things when you keep seeing it repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. It's not just us as fans watching. I mean, the coaches are seeing this stuff too. I mean, he's been absolutely amazing. I mean, you could think about having Bland and Seven alongside each other for many many years to come. You know, assuming that, you know, Stephon Gilmore is getting a little up there in age, still a great player. But, I mean, you talk about a fifth-round pick doing what he's doing. And, again, remember last year it was he got in there, he got his chance because they had some injuries at that spot. And the first game, he comes up with a pick. It's like, who is this guy? It was kind of like the way Jordan Lewis 
got onto the scene now too. And Jordan Lewis is still a really good player, but he's fallen down the depth chart pretty quickly with the DBs that the Cowboys are assembling. Do you think they regret re- re-signing Diggs when they did at this point? I don't think they no. regret re-signing him. I think they they might be fair to say overpaid him because when you lose a guy like him and you absolutely do not miss him at all, then the amount of money they gave him, you might can argue that they overpaid him. He's still a very good player. I mean, yeah, when we were when we were going through all the guys that they had to re-sign back in August, I was I put it out there very clearly. I did, I thought that he was the one that could have been expendable probably the most because of people like Deron Bland. I don't know he's expendable. But I, I don't know he's expendable might not be the right money. word to be used, but like the one that you might want to re-sign last. The one that like if you can't re-sign everybody, then maybe he's the one that you don't re-sign. It's the old you know, paying Dak, right? Everybody likes Dak. You just don't like him at that price because of what it does to your salary cap. Right. But there, you know, this is one of those situations where if all things being equal, if seven hadn't torn up his knee, now you've got three of those guys on yeah. the field. And then, you know, that allows you to maybe go somewhere else and spend your money too. When you have a fifth round pick playing under a rookie contract doing this, I mean that's unbelievable. So they sorry, go ahead. I don't watch like scout. I'm not a you know football guy as far as when when Diggs put up whatever it was, what? eight, eleven interceptions, yeah, wasn't it like all that, and led the league and was all pro first team. There was a lot of people saying he's not that good. He gets those interceptions, but outside of that, he's soft in tackling. He makes a lot of ga- he gambles a lot. He gets beat a lot. Um. I think the thing that you're hearing from the Todd Archers and the people that really know football is that Bland is good in other areas besides just pick sixes. Like he's targeted less. His his percentage numbers win. His targeted. coverage is better. His coverage is better. All you don't, of those you don't see him getting blown by all the time. It's yeah. not it's not like pick or else. It's like maybe if maybe he'll pick it off and take it to the house, but it's not like there's guys running past him for a touchdown and they're wide open and you give up all these explosive plays. Well, if he picks it off, it is going to the house. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's just not it's not just a pick six stat which is huge, but he's got 11 that lead the NFL over the last 2 years. So he's not just flashy to pick them and return them. He's got four of those, but 11 total interceptions. Yeah, wasn't it? I saw it yesterday it was that he's tied the record for most um pick sixes in a season with like three other guys That's, is that correct that is correct all right he is also the cowboys all-time leading pick six guy he's got four which ties dennis thurman and dexter coakley who also have four but both played eight years with the team what numbers were they Dexter Coakley was 52. That's right. He was. From t- today. <laughs> Did you know that, too? Is that why you did That's that right there? Okay, good call. And um, We should have mentioned Dexter Coakley. Damn it. And Dennis, <laughs> Thur- Dennis Thurman was 32. Um, I did want to ask. This is a this game we got coming up. It's not on the rundown, so sorry, Luis. Um, this game we got coming up on Thursday is now an 11-point spread in favor of Dallas because uh, you saw Washington get their asses kicked by Danny, I mean, Tommy DeVito on uh sunday to me it feels like a trap <laughs> to me right. to me it doesn't to me it doesn't feel good uh having washington i mean unless sam howell's out then it changes everything because he, he apparently got banged up in that giants game um it feels a little bit trappy to me having a division opponent on a thanksgiving night um at 3 30 in the afternoon as 11 point favorites it's just uh, something doesn't add up the to spread me might be a trap but they're they're gonna win the game uh, 
They're going to win the game, Matt. I stay away from the gambling stuff because well, I, I just, smell uh, trap, too. I, I smell, mean, I do. Because it's Washington. But, they always play them hard. I don't care what they look like. I don't care who's playing quarterback. They get up for the Cowboys, and they, they will sell out. They'll – the Cowboys will get their very best. Yeah, and the, but the Cowboys it, yeah. will probably win. And it's a division game, and you always get up for those games. I mean, put aside the two Giants wins this this year because they aren't like a real NFL roster. Um, the the Commanders have a decent team, and the Commanders, besides yesterday, have shown that they can keep up with the best of them. They took the Eagles to overtime once and almost beat them the second time too. I mean, the Commanders have have taken people. They're more of like that team that like you either play up to your competition or down to your competition, they're one of those teams. Yeah, and they're not yeah. a team that's yeah. typical of playing on a Thanksgiving day, too, so it's possible that they were doing more of their game planning for this right. game coming up. And because of what the Giants' injury situation is, you know, maybe you look past them. I don't know if that's the case, but I definitely expect Washington to play a lot better than they did yesterday. Yeah, it seems it seems like a three- to seven-point game for me, um, not an 11-point game. I did want to ask you, I saw Bryce Young. Um, he was the first pick in the draft as he played yesterday against the Cowboys. The Panthers are horrible. C.J. Stroud, the second pick in the draft, is playing much better, uh, obviously, as he's on the 6-4 and four Texans, who had another good, gritty win yesterday against the Cardinals. How bad do you think everyone in the Panthers organization feels about taking Bryce over C.J. Stroud right now? Do you think if you switch him, how much different are the records? In other words, is it the team or is it the guy? I think it's I think it's the guy. I think CJ Stroud is just a better player. Well, as I looked at him, you know, I test CJ Stroud seems to be a much more NFL prototype six three whatever compared to Bryce Young, which who was like five ten, maybe 5'11". on a good day. Yeah. I, I, but I, I don't want to throw the kid under the bus because he gets no protection. It, they're just awful. I think he's going to still be a good NFL player. We saw enough of him in Alabama to see that the kid has talent. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a wasn't there somewhere on the on the internet last week that the showed that the, that Carolina thought they had a trade, um, and, or or something that was going to they were going to try to move to number two to get. I think they were okay with getting Stroud. I don't know about that. Um... All I, all I know is I, I did see that the Texans, there was a lot of mis, misinformation out there, as there always is during the draft, that, the, that like sources inside the NFL say that the Texans are interested in X when in, really they're interested in Y. All of those came from the Texans. The Texans were trying to get everyone off of their tail so they, no one knew that they wanted C.J. Stroud because I think they knew what everyone, what some of the draft pundits knew, is that Bryce Young is too, is too small. First of all, the Carolina is just not a good team. And C.J. Stroud's just a better quarterback. He showed you against Georgia, and I think that everyone's kind of seeing that now, that Bryce Young might not live up to the billing as good as his arm is. You do still need to be a, a grown man's size to be in the NFL. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think you're seeing right now before your very eyes why the default is always size and speed, right? I mean, plus he's got a hell of an arm too. So if if all things being equal – You've got a 5'10 guy and a guy that's not only tall but wide, too, that's built to take the punishment. Yeah. I mean, you there's too much money involved to take a chance at that spot. And I'm not saying that, that Bryce isn't going to be a good player, too, because I agree yeah. with everything that you guys are saying. It's just this is why 
teams more often than not default on the size thing. To your point on the CJ, on like, is it the team or is it the player kind of thing? CJ Stroud has gone through like seven iterations of an offensive line. Titus Howard went down. Laramie Tunsil yeah. went down. His whole offensive line has gone down. He's playing with nobody's as receivers that we all have kind of come to know now. Actually, we know them all familiar because they're all Cowboys uh, besides Tank Dell. But I think D'Amico is better than Frank Reich for sure. Uh, but I don't know if when you look at the rosters at the beginning of the season and now and seeing who has been injured, who has not been injured, I don't think we can really make the comparison because C.J. Stroud's done more with less as well. I'll tell you this. I agree. C.J. Stroud had to come out of the game yesterday after taking an absolute slobber knocker where he held in the pocket way too long. Remember the, the shot yeah. that he took? I don't think Bryce Young returns if he takes the same shot. Oh, for sure. Absolutely not. <laughs> or worse. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to uh, just truly great scenes last Friday. Um, last UTSA home game, probably, for uh, Frank Harris and Rashad Wisdom and 19 other seniors. Uh, possibly the last game in the Alamo Dome for Jeff Trailer, And it was just a, a beautiful, beautiful game. Uh, seeing, seeing Frank run wild and throw all over the place. I think he had, what, 512, 514 yards? 523 yards, six touchdowns, uh, set career highs all over the place. And then ran for over 100, too. Yeah, career, total yards. Um, it was just, it was just so such a great send-off for Frank. I know you were tweeting about it all, all, uh, all evening on Friday. Yeah, just, you know, Chuck and I both covered this kid when he was at Clemens High School, and I remember he came in, he came in studio one night for one of those high school – jersey presentations or whatever we do he had his glasses on and he's this intellectual kid with his dad and he's just you know the nicest kid with this huge smile and was genuinely like inquisitive about grown-ups you know as a high school kid he was asking about the tv station about what we do all this kind of stuff um and we had i think it was casey kiernan who a reporter here who kind of developed a real strong relationship with him and um so just to kind of know the kid, Chuck and I called Rashad Wisdom's games when he was at Judson on TNL, and 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 we had Frank on TNL as well. Um, so it's kind of there's like a parent, there's like a proud parent aspect to this to see the seven years and the knee surgeries and the near amputation and the shoulder surgeries all, and all everything. that stuff uh, to see him get what he kind of deserved going out was really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a tendency, too, for us being old guys, too. You kind of want to put them in a box, right? To me, Frank's always going to be Little Vic, you know, because that was his Twitter handle when he was a kid because he was <laughs> he sure as hell was Little Vic. But to see where these guys are now, I mean, they are grown men, and not just in terms of being football players, but just as humans. I mean, the humanity that they show off the field, you know, you can talk about the leaders that they are inside their own building and – you know, why these guys are going to make great professionals, whether it's in football or some other aspect of life. I mean, they're already pros at that kind of stuff, galvanizing a room, getting others to go where maybe they don't want to go, you know, because they've got their best interest of the person that they're trying to lead to. I mean, these guys are just, they're just phenomenal. And I, my takeaway from that game, having not seen a whole lot of it, was when they ran that gadget play and they scored, that, these guys really like each other. Whatever the environment is there, it must be pretty damn good. And it probably starts, you know, obviously a lot with Trailer too, but but with Frank and Rashad that, you know, everybody is up 
when somebody does something well or somebody that you didn't see that hadn't had maybe a big seat at the table during the course of the year does something. And yeah. everybody genuinely happy for guys that are getting opportunities to play. It's really very, very uncommon to see what we saw and I think was a good reminder of why we watch sports. And I think you also saw that when, like, I think Joshua Cephas also set a, a career record at UTSA. I think he broke Zakari Franklin's yardage record, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and they saw there was this video of him being honored on the on the jumbotron, and then uh, just a video of him and like hearing what he's saying. He's like, "I'm nothing without zero. I'm nothing without zero. Nothing without Frank." And so I think kind of goes to further your point is like these guys genuinely love each other and have been here forever throughout, and they've just faced so much adversity over over all of their years here. It's just it was really Frank, great to see. Frank was on the podium for 15 minutes and was asked probably 15 20 questions. And I watched it two different times. In every answer, he brings up his teammates, his coaches, and his family. In every answer. Even when it was the most hyper-frank angle, he would talk about it. Yes, you know, my knee, this, this. But it was my teammates. It was my parents. It was my coach who got me through it, blah, blah, blah. Every single time, there's giving credit to the whole group. I think that's coached. Well, two guys. I think you saw that with Jeff too, because there's all these obviously all these rumors swirling around with Jeff and A and M and whatever. His first answer when asked about A and M was, "It's a real shame that you guys are talking about me when I got 18 seniors that just played." Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's like I think that goes to your point too. It's coaching. It's it's there. Like this is about them, not about one person. And it's about family and parents. It's about moms and dads for sure. The the wisdoms and the Harrises and those those parents are just. Solid as they come. Right. Roger that. And don't you think, too, that this is why they win, too? I mean, with all the distractions of last week, they go out and just maul the opposition. I mean, short week, there would have been a lot of reasons to say, okay, this is either going to be close or whatever. They just went out and just did the work. And was... that's what they do. I mean, that's why it's impressive to watch them play ball. I think that's a, that carried a lot of pressure going into that game, too. Sure. It's like you're, you want to send Frank out on the best note possible. You want to send Rashad out and all of these guys who have given given so much to UTSA and, and dragged this program from being in its infancy to now being in a, a possibly in an AAC championship game. And you just wanted to pay them back so much. I could see like that pressure maybe – maybe having been there on Friday, but it right. qu quickly went away when they just destroyed you. think about what the narrative is if they lose, yeah. right? You could go on and on with that, right? Yeah. And they didn't. They went out and dominated. And think about, like, especially the 12-win season uh, last year. The, you know, think about the, the trailer said, look, we were 12 and whatever, but we could have been 2 and 12 or whatever. And you think about all the one-score games. If Just do yourself a favor and pull up the website. And look at the one-score games that they won. And look at the memories of the tipped ball with zero time left on the clock that uh, Oscar catches to win the division against UAB that sends them to the championship game. The one-minute drive with no timeouts that Frank engineers on a 30-yard scramble and then the one-handed catch that Oscar makes and then the fade to the end zone. Three plays in a row. Boom, boom, boom. They beat North Texas and win the, win the conference. All of these one-score drives, games, whatever. Memphis was the first one that I saw when they were on the road at Memphis, down 20 at the half. And they came back and won, and I, t I talked to Trailer that week after, and I said, culture won that game. And he believes it. 
And it sounds corny, culture sounds corny, triangle t- toughness, all that. Mm-hmm. But when those kids buy it every single day and they believe it, and as Chuck said, they you love each other, that stuff matters. Yep. It's cheesy and it's corny, but it matters. And speaking of possible one-score games, uh, this week is probably the biggest game in UTSA football history um, against Tulane. UTSA has never beaten a ranked opponent. They're going to have another opportunity uh, this week. How do you guys think it plays out, Chuck? That's a tough one. I mean, uh, would I bet against these guys? Hell to the no. I mean, <laughs> I, I would think that this one is gettable. I mean, I think they're they're favored to win, right? It's three and a half point spread, so I'm not the only one that's thinking that. And they're just playing their best football at the right time. I mean, they've kind of gotten as healthy as they're going to be. Some guys have had a chance to play that have had a chance to step up, and now they've got, you know, a little more wisdom in terms of what they're able to see on the course or on the uh, the field of play because of, you know, the experience that they've gained. It's just fascinating to see these guys every week handle their own business the way that they do. It's really something to behold, and I'll be shocked if they don't win, quite frankly, because – I just expect them to win every single week when you can see it building like it has. This might have been the first time ever that you knew the spread, and I didn't. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are three-point underdogs. UTSA is? Yes. Okay. I thought we saw them as a four-point favorite yesterday. Yeah, it was a three-and-a-half yesterday, I thought. UTS, they were favorite. UTSA is a three-point underdog to Tulane in Tulane okay. this week. Well, then I stand corrected Friday, for that, or Friday, there was a lot, of, ABC. lot of money going down on Tulane. And no. I, I, yeah, they opened as four at four. Okay. UTSA is a four-point no, favorite? No, they opened at four-point under. My inner dyslexia has struck game. again. Okay, apologies. But anyway, this, the point still stands. I, I've i looked at Tulane's schedule. They beat USC in the Cotton Bowl and haven't lost but once since, and that was the Ole Miss. But yeah. they are squeaking by teams that UTSA has handled. I mean – Two points here, five points here, three points here. Two points Tulsa, three points ECU, two points Rice, seven points UNT, ten points Memphis, twelve points UAB, and then they killed everyone at the beginning of the year. So they haven't been, like, dominant. They're at home. They're good. But I, I'm going to go with the Roadrunners because uh, there's no way I'm going to pick against them, and then they win, and then I'll feel in- completely ashamed do you think that there is that's fair <laughs> do, you, fair. do you think that there is something uh to say about and none of these guys have ever beaten a ranked opponent and you here you go having another opportunity when they for sure should have beat that should have beat troy last year but you saw obviously with every time they've played one in my memory louisiana in a bowl game fret was it fresno san diego state yes yeah, in state. a bowl game troy they're a shell of themselves. Yeah, they're I, all injured. They're yeah. completely or COVID shot or whatever. By the end of the yeah, yeah, by the end of the year. So, I think if there's a team that can come back from all the emotion of senior night, it's these guys um, and the distraction of trailer and job security, whatever. That's that's this team, and I think they're genuinely fired up to play on ABC uh, and show the world really for the first time who this program is. Those sports guys know, you know, the Kurt Herb Streets and everybody. But they're on ABC the day after Thanksgiving when people are at home eating pie. So I think they're gonna I think they're gonna rise to the challenge. If you missed the game, make sure to tune in News Four San Antonio at six o'clock. I'll have the highlights for you. Um <laughs> All right. Since I'll be here every day from Wednesday to Saturday. Um I think that they win. I uh 
I can't pick against them. I'm like Don. I just like it. It's just bad voodoo at this point if I pick against them. Like, sorry, we're being homers. I don't care. Um, I think they win, and I think that they'll. Their athletes are as good as two. Also, if athletes. they win, so what I'm root, really rooting for is I hope they win, and Navy beats SMU, which I don't think will happen. But if Navy beats SMU, that means the uh, AAC home game or AAC championship is in the Alamo Dome, which yeah, would be freaking awesome. Host. Yeah, I think that's the only scenario that it comes to the Alamo Dome. If they beat Tulane and SMU wins, then they go to SMU. If Tulane wins and SMU wins, then obviously they're not, they're not in. And then if Tulane wins and SMU loses, then I think UTSA goes to Tulane. I'm going to hit the Matt default button and go with that. I think after, I think that's true. After after the start of the season, for them to win eight games is another really successful season. I'm, I'm still, with a chance at nine or ten. I'm still mad about the Army game and the Houston game. Those two should have been wins, too. This, sh- yeah. this should be a, a what, ten and one team right now? And instead they're eight and three, which is obviously nothing to sneeze yeah, at. Yeah, but maybe but. if they win those games, they're not winning these big ones down the stretch. I mean, the biggest yeah. thing is that they're handling their business in a new league, and they're putting the whole new league on, uh, you know, pretty much on notice that, hey, we're here. That's why I love you, Chuck. With you think lot of, you less think of resources, by the way. You think of things differently. I, I didn't even think of that. Um, that's all we got, guys. Anything else you want to you want to throw in here? Any shout outs? No. No. Right. Shout out to you, Maddie, for Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Putting Happy, this show together, everybody. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Quick programming note: We will not be here Friday. We will have one Wednesday, and then Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. You don't have to hear my voice uh, for the rest of the week unless you tune into the shows. Um, You've got good voice. We like hearing your voice. I was blessed you have good voice texture. I was blessed with two things: height and a voice. And besides that, you know, nothing else here. You have good the hair ability too. to sunburn. I do have good hair. You have good hair. You know what? This is. I blame President Trump for this. For the sunburn. Yeah, because he had us waiting out there for four hours yesterday in Edinburgh. I'm exhausted. I'm gonna go take a nap. I just came back from Edinburgh like an hour ago. So you need to be as orange as me. <laughs> All right, we're not getting into that. Anyway, so that's all we got for you today on the Monday edition of Caesar Cleats Podcast. Remember to download, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, tell a friend, tell an enemy. We'll be back on Wednesday. Until then, everyone have a good week. And uh, if you don't see us on Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. Or before Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.